This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hockey News Podcast. It's Matt Larkin here with Ryan Kennedy. I guess I should say, it's Matt Larkin here with Ryan Kennedy because if you are watching, you'll see I have now the haircut of a small child. And I'll give it a little segue here. I'm as excited as a small child because it's time for free agency. It's the free agency preview podcast. And with that, I give a disclaimer. Things are fluid right now. As we're recording this, there could be some more signings being unconfirmed. So things get dated fast. We don't know. But at the time of this recording, we're about 24 hours out. So we're ready to dive in. And Ryan, we're going to start with the top 10 list uh, of the big names. Okay. And, And I'm taking that from my own list that I published online, the top 30 UFAs. And let's discuss best fits, or most likely that landing spots, maybe it can be one and the same. It's your call. So we're going to start at the top of the list. I'm not going to say Alex Ovechkin because that's a foregone conclusion. He's staying in Washington. The top actual UFA is Dougie Hamilton. So give me your thoughts on where you think he's going to land and and or what you think is his best destination. Well, I just have a feeling that Hamilton is going to end up in New Jersey with the Devils you know, obviously they have the cap space and it's a very interesting opportunity for him. You know, I mean, PK Subban, obviously on the way out. Um, and, you know, you need kind of that, uh, that statement guy on the back end. I think New Jersey is building something nice and they're not quite there yet, but you add Dougie and all of a sudden you look at that team and you say, okay, well, we're pretty happy with Mackenzie Blackwood and net. We've got our one, two punch down the middle with Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. We're starting to build something here, but we need to take it to the next level, particularly in that division, which is going to be very competitive, but I also believe very chaotic in the next couple of years. When you think about Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington, you know, teams that could go in either direction uh, really quickly. So I think that it's, it's a nice fit for him. Uh, and it's obviously a great ad for the Devils uh, because they want to make some noise again. And, you know, the, the rebuild's been going on for a little bit now. It's, it's time to sort of kick things up a notch. And I think they have a very good opportunity to land a statement player like that in Dougie Hamilton. All righty. I, I agree with you. I do have New Jersey as the top suitor as well, especially because, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks and Philadelphia Flyers, we know both teams were on the hunt for right shot big ticket defenseman, but now Seth Jones in Chicago, Ryan Ellis in Philly. So that's done. They're not in on Dougie Hamilton anymore. I like the fit for New Jersey. Only Detroit and Buffalo have more cap space. I do also think the Devils are a lot better than they showed last year. They were one of the least lucky teams. The COVID pandemic hit them hard right at the start of the season. You had the weird sinus fracture injury for Nico Hichet as well. And you had Blackwood. I believe Blackwood was one of the, the, the people hit hardest by COVID as well on the team. And you saw nice strides, as, as I've said before on a recent podcast, nice strides from their younger forwards near the end of the season as well. Mikey McLeod and Igor Shrangovich, guys like that. So they're kind of building something. You got Jack Hughes, you got Luke Hughes, you got Alex Holtz. So I do think that they have a nice future. That said, if Dougie Hamilton wants comfort and it took him a while to find a dressing room in which he fit in was accepted. If he wants the ability to win the Stanley Cup soon, I think he should consider taking a bit less money to stay in Carolina. So it's going to come down to, does he want the big payday? I don't think anybody can match what New Jersey can offer. Or does he want to win and probably take a little bit less money, in which case I do think it's still possible he stays in Carolina. 
Next up, we have the captain of the Colorado Avalanche, or soon-to-be former captain. We don't know. Gabriel Landeskog, what do you have for Landy? I believe he stays in Colorado. You know, for a player that was taken as high as he was by the Avs and to work his way up to become captain, and he was captain at a young age too, I mean, the Avs are right there. You know, for me, they're a Stanley Cup favorite for next season. If you're Gabriel Landeskog, I mean, we know this guy's a fierce competitor. We know he fits in so well in that lineup. You know, I mean, when he played with McKinnon and Rantanen, it was always an incredible match. It just seems to me that, yeah, you've got a, you've got a great opportunity to go out and, and, you know, sort of determine your own fate, choose your own team, uh, choose your own salary. But if you want to win a Stanley Cup, that's the team you want to be on. I mean, it's a short list of teams that Landis God could play for where he could say, I'm definitely going to be in the mix for a championship next year and the year after that and the year after that. Uh, so I feel like they make it work in Colorado. I, I agree. I think there's a lot of posturing and bluffing, you know, expressing disappointment. It kind of reminds me in a way of uh, my guy, Aaron Rodgers in the NFL. You know, I, I never believed he was going anywhere. I think it's just a lot of, you know, bluffing, that kind of stuff. And I do think that's what's going to happen with Gabriel Landeskog. Now the expansion draft is in the rearview mirror. You have Kale McCarr signed. We know Landeskog, with all due respect to Philip Grubauer, Landeskog is the priority. I do think the Avalanche will do what it takes to re-sign him. So I agree with you. If we're just playing around, if money was no object in terms of what team desperately needs this type of player, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs need a Landeskog type more than anybody. I don't think they can make it work because then the big four become a big five. You're even more top heavy. And then you tip over to keep that metaphor going. Uh, I think a, a team to watch could be the Los Angeles Kings. We know they've brought in Victor Arvidsson. We know they're trying to get stronger on the wings. And I, I do believe that that's a team that has already been linked to Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, we know they have a lot of cap space. They have a lot of players that are already signed. They don't have much work left to do this summer. So to me, that would be a very interesting fit as well. Uh, Philip. Grubauer, so we're, so we're sticking with the Colorado Avalanche, or soon to be former, we don't know yet, uh, top goaltender on the market, unless you count Tuka Rask, but he's injured and probably just staying in Boston. So we'll say for the sake of discussion, the Vezina Trophy finalist, Philip Grubauer, who do you have for him? Well, you know, I mean, maybe this is boring, but I have him sticking with the abs as well. I, again, I just feel like goaltending is such a fickle position. And for Colorado, you know, Again, you're going for it. So you don't want to leave things up for chance. You certainly don't want to be, you know, left off the, the goalie carousel because we know there are a number of names on the market uh, this summer. But Grubauer is a guy that you know you can trust. Um, you know, he still probably has a little bit of room to, to grow there just in terms of, of hitting that height. I think, he, I think it was, he was good in the playoffs, but he could probably be a little bit better. And, uh, you know, and the abs, again, you know, they're, they're going for it and they know him. And I think there's something to be said for uh, that familiarity in net. And, and I don't think he's going to break the bank on them necessarily. Yeah, and that's what it's going to come down to. I think Grubauer, he's established himself as, you know, he's been a great goaltender for several seasons. And uh, he's number five all time in career save percentage among all goalies ever who've played 100 more games. It was more a matter of could he stay healthy. And yes, he did land on the on the COVID list this year, but his actual soft tissue 
was healthy, which is important. That said, it, you know, I think the Avs want to see him do it for longer, which is why the rumored contract offer is, is something like five years at, at five million a year. And you can make a case that he has earned himself a higher AAV. So if he wants what he's truly earned, then it's probably going to have to be elsewhere. Uh, I do think there are some teams that are intriguing fits. Uh, if Carolina Carolina bungled this goaltending situation, trading Alex Nedeljkovic, and if they don't resign Jonathan Bernier, that's a team that wants to stay in win-now mode, so maybe Grubauer could go there. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins would be a really neat fit if they could find a way to dump Tristan Jari as well. And the Edmonton Oilers, if they hadn't uh, re-signed Mike Smith, but it's not like they're paying Mike Smith an, an exorbitant amount. So if they could find a way, if they buy out Miko Koskinen, for example – then you could be a player for Grubauer as well. It's funny if he goes to Edmonton because um, I did a story, a big interview with Grubauer a couple of seasons ago. And one thing he explained to me is that he loves, loves, loves skiing. So it's it's so painful for him to play in Denver because he's constantly staring at the mountains in the horizon, but he's not allowed to ski during the season for fear of injury. So if he, if he leaves Colorado, he can get away from that. But if he goes to Edmonton, he's got the same problem. Cool story, bro. Uh, next we have, we're staying on Phillips. This time we're going to go Philip to know center Montreal Canadians. And it's interesting because he turned down the big contract offer at the start of the season. Then it looked like, you know, there was a fear. He wasn't a big enough part of their plans competing for time on, the, on that depth chart with Nick Suzuki, Jesperi Kakanyemi and so on and so on. Then at the end of the season, he has nice things to say that he found his role. And then the roller coaster takes another turn. Now it's being reported that he's probably gone. So what do you have for Philip to future? You know, I kind of liked Deneau for Seattle. Looking at the Kraken's expansion draft, they're pretty weak down the middle. And, you know, they obviously need a scoring center. I, I don't think they're going to necessarily find one right away on the market, uh, at least not during free agency. But Deneau is a fantastic two-way forward, and we know how good he is at shutting down the opposition um, so when I look at that Seattle roster, I mean, the first thing that strikes me is this is a team that is going to be very good at keeping goals out of their own net, maybe not so great at scoring them, but maybe that's just their identity. Um, you know, that sort of first, even second year, Philip Deneau, I mean, that suits him to a T that's what he's going to get you. Um, he's going to keep games close for Seattle. And I think that's going to be very helpful for an, you know, an organization that's just beginning to come together and gel. Um, and it's a, it's a nice fresh start and it's pretty much as far away from, uh, the spotlight of Montreal that you can get geographically. So I, I think that one works out pretty nice for him. Yeah. I like that pick as well. Um, it, it's interesting because the Kings have been mentioned as a suitor for Deneau as well, but from Deneau's perspective, I don't really understand it. If he's someone who's trying to find a place where he'll have a bigger role. Well, Andre Kopitar already is one of the better shutdown centers in the game. You have Quinton Byfield being groomed eventually to be the number two center on that team. So I kind of feel like he'd run into the same problem where he's pigeonholed in number three spot. You also have Alex Turcott coming up. So I don't know if it actually makes a ton of sense for him. Uh, I'm wondering about a Chicago Blackhawks reunion, the team that drafted him, especially if Jonathan Taves, if his condition doesn't allow him to, to return and play a, a full schedule next season if he's on LTIR again. I think the Hawks need to get stronger up the middle. And the fact that they didn't extend a qualifying offer to Pia Suter, Pius Pius, I never say his name out loud. Uh, to me, it makes me wonder if they're trying to keep 
their options open financially to bring in a, a, a more of a veteran who's a bit pricier. And I think Deneau would help them, a team that's been consistently one of the worst defensive clubs in the NHL for the last couple of seasons. So I think he'd be a really nice fit there. Uh, what about Tyson Berry, the righty defenseman that had the monster season statistically, at least offensively, in Edmonton? You know, if we're going off the assumption that Dougie Hamilton is is gone from Carolina, and it is an assumption, he could very well return. But if, if Dougie leaves Carolina, I can see Tyson Berry sliding into the Hurricanes and saying, hey, you like offense? You like righties? I'm your guy. I'm not as tall, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good out there. And again, for Carolina, this is a team that, um, you know, they're, they're close – I want to say close to contender status in that they're a really good team. I don't know if they're a favorite right now um, in the East. I think there's a couple of teams I'd put ahead of them, but they're in the mix. And it wouldn't surprise me if they made a solid run, assuming they get their goaltending sorted out. But I mean, they have so many weapons right now, both up front and on defense. I think Barry would really sort of put them over the top in that regard. And obviously he'd be a, a, a huge weapon on the power play. Um, Again, if you lose Dougie, Tyson Berry, fantastic fit. For sure. I'm with you. I even in my notes, I have consolation prize for teams that whiff on Hamilton. And I, I wrote Canes if they lose Dougie. So I do agree. If they can't get him resigned, he'll at least, Barry can at least replace the offensive production. Definitely not the defensive production, uh, but offense, yes. Um, and I, I think it also applies to the Devils. If the Devils are in hot pursuit of Dougie Hamilton and they don't get him, they could also go for Tyson Barry, who might cost, I don't want to say half, but maybe, you know, 30% less. Um, the Oilers, you know, I don't think it's out of the question that they retain him now, even though I thought he was redundant in Edmonton last year, they already had the season before they had the best power play in 40 plus years. So you bring Tyson Berry, it's like, well, it's the law of diminishing returns. Your power play is already elite and he's not good defensively. So I don't know if he was actually that helpful, even though he puffed up his own numbers playing for them. That said, you lost Adam Larson and it's it's has not been the best offseason so far for Ken Holland. So maybe you have no choice but to bring Barry back on the right side. I'd also keep an eye on the Vancouver Canucks, um, but I'm going to talk about them later. There's a, there's a, a listener question, so I'll save that for a little bit later. Uh, what about Blake Coleman? We saw his line mate Barkley Goudreau got paid. So what happens to Blake Coleman, who is basically Barkley Goudreau plus scoring? Yeah, you know, I'm looking at the Minnesota Wild, and uh, I know we'll get into this uh, later as well, uh, teams that need to be aggressive, but I think Minnesota's going to be a big player. You know, they bought out Suter and Parise. Um, you got to have something to show for it. And Bill Guerin, I think he's a pretty savvy guy. He's going to go for it. Blake Coleman, I think, is this type of person that you look at and say, you know, as the Wild, we haven't had very much playoff success. Here's a guy that has cups. He knows how to win. Uh, he's a clutch player. He can fit up and down the lineup. You know, he's a pretty consistent goal scorer. You know, Minnesota, obviously, they've got uh, Kirill Kaprizov. And, you know, they've, they've got some talent. Uh, you know, they got Fiala as well. But, you know, you lose Parise on the wing. And I know he wasn't what he used to be. But, you know, he's still Zach Parise. Um, I think Blake Coleman fits pretty well into that lineup. I like it. Um, I, I have the St. Louis Blues as a team to watch carefully. So they've been linked to Gabriel Landeskog as a team that really wants him. Um, I don't know if that's financially feasible unless they trade Vladimir Tarasenko first to make sure that money fits. I, but I, I do think Coleman is like the next tier down price-wise. And we know the Blues are really ravaged at left wing. They're going to lose Jaden Schwartz to the Seattle Kraken. It's already been pre-reported. They've traded Sammy Blay away as well in the Pavel Buknevich deal. 
I believe it was that trade, right? Uh, yep, yep. And then you've also, you have Mike Hoffman, who's currently a UFA. So that's three of your top four left wingers are gone. So you have to replace that talent. Uh, and I think Blake Coleman would fit in with the team identity there uh, really well. What about David Krejci? Is this one easy? Is it just Boston or he goes home to the Czech Republic and nobody else? It feels that way. Although I will say if it's not Boston, maybe he tries out Seattle. Um, again, he's a center. He can play a scoring role. I know he's kind of in the twilight of his career, but, you know, put him with the right guys and, and maybe at least short term, he gets some magic. He has been quoted as saying, it's not about the money for him at this point. Um, so in all likelihood, he's headed back to the Bruins, where obviously he's very comfortable. He's part of that culture. And, you know, uh, the Bruins know what they're getting in him. But I would say, you know, if, if he's looking for something different, uh, even if it's short term, Seattle would be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I do think it's going to be Boston. Um, I think a team that would be a really awesome fit for him, and, and I think he could actually put this team over the top to win a Stanley Cup is Vegas. Uh, we know they've been looking for help at center for a while. And, you know, Chandler Stevenson, I think, was quite a nice revelation this year. But I still think he's someone who's being pushed a little higher up the lineup than what reflects his true talent. I think that's a team that really still doesn't have a number one center. They have, you know, William Carlson, who I think is more of a number two. Chandler Stevenson, I think, would be a really nice number three on an elite team. But if you bring in David Krejci there and you put he could play on the first line on that team or the second line, so you're going to play with either, you know, Mark Stone and Riley Smith on line two or Patretti and Stone, I think the Vegas Golden Knights become an elite contender, maybe the top of the, of the heap. Because we saw what Krejci could do this year when he it was like, come on, please, can you give me some real line mates for a change? And Boston did, and Krejci played his best hockey in several years. So he still has something left in the tank. What about Kyle Palmieri? Well, this is another player that I could see going to the Minnesota Wild, uh, pretty much for the same reasons as Blake Coleman. Uh, you know, you've got a veteran who you know is a pretty consistent goal scorer. And, you know, age-wise, he sort of fits in where, you know, he can sort of mentor some of the younger guys and, and fits in with some of the veterans they have there. Um, you know, I, I think this is a player where his paycheck is going to probably – mean that he can't go back to the Islanders. Uh, I, I kind of feel they have some some other players that they really need to lock down already. You know, Adam Pellick being an RFA uh, is a major one there. You want to make sure you keep that that combo with Ryan Pulak together. Um, so I could see Palmieri going elsewhere, and I think Minnesota is a pretty good option for him in terms of his skill set and their needs. All right. I, I have this gut feeling that he's going to go back to the Islanders and take less money. Uh, I know he's publicly expressed his interest in staying and it, it didn't look good for him in terms of the production in the regular season after the trade, but in the playoffs, he was back on his pace. His career pace is 30 goals per 82 games, or at least that's what he was for his entire time with the Devils. And his scoring pace in the playoffs was 30 goals per 82 games. The shooting percentage, he had a really low shooting percentage this year. It rebounded to normal levels in the playoffs. So I do think you're still going to get 25 to 30 goals out of Kyle Palmieri. The Islanders did just liberate themselves with Jordan Everly. So you do need a first line right winger. Um, I'm sure they'd be happier if it was Patrick Laine or, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko or something, but I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Mary at this stage of his career is thinking, okay, I I'd like to take a shot at the Stanley cup. So it's a gut feeling that he's going to stay and, and, and take less money. Uh, what about Ryan Suter? You know, he's been linked to a couple of teams and 
Dallas to me is pretty intriguing. Uh, again, you know, they had a down year, but obviously a big part of that was the injuries to Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop. I think what we saw with the stars is some of the younger guys continue to step up and, you know, I, I think you got to reward that uh, if you're the stars and GM Jim Neal, if you can get Ryan Suter, particularly on a bargain deal, because obviously, you know, he was bought out uh, by Minnesota. So you don't need to necessarily break the bank on him. What you offer him is a shot at a, a cup potentially. And it's, it's a tough road based on your division, but I think Ryan Suter still has, you know, quite a bit left in the tank. I mean, we know this guy has been a workhorse his entire career. And for the stars, if you can get him in your lineup and he can give you that sort of 22, 23 minutes a game, um, I think he'd be very effective for them. Yep, we have a match on this one. I have Dallas as the only team I've written down for Ryan Suter as well. And I think it was the Athletic that reported there's already mutual interest between the two sides. Uh you have to replace Jamie Alexiak. You're a win now team if you're Dallas. And yes, you do have future pieces that are going to be around for a long time, like Rupe Hintz and Jason Robinson, Miro Heiskanen. But there are also a lot of win now pieces in in Dallas. You know, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Bent. You have to still take your shot with that group. And that would be, to me, that makes it prudent. If you do bring Ryan Suter in, it's got to be maximum two-year deal to take your shot while you're still in the window of, I'm not going to say prime, but still relevance for Sagan and, and, and Jamie Bent. Uh, last in the top 10, we have Brandon Saad. I'm going to go with Nashville on this one. And for me, it's all about the the fit where, you know, they lost Victor Arvidsson. You know, they weren't a good scoring team to begin with. But in Brandon Saad, you have a guy who's done it before pretty consistently. He's got good size. And again, you know, I, I know the Predators are kind of in a retooling stage. I'm not going to say rebuilding because uh, I think they kind of have too much salary uh, to really truly be in that rebuilding mode. But we you know we know they're going to take a bit of a step back. But at least with Brandon Saad, you know you're going to be competitive and you're going to give yourself a shot uh, to at least be in it, uh, at least be in the game most nights. And for Saad, I think it's you know just a chance to you know, get into a, a new spot. I mean, Colorado's fantastic, but I, I just don't think the money is there for him. Uh, so Nashville, I think, is a pretty nice landing spot. And, and then, you know, you see where the Preds go. Um, either he stays there long term or maybe he gets, you know, flipped at the deadline in a year or two if the Preds decide to really tear it down and he goes to a cup contender and, you know, they eat some salary or whatever they need to do. All righty. Uh, I've got Brandon Saad uh, doing a homecoming. So he's a Pittsburgh boy. The Pittsburgh Penguins, the expansion draft, it cost them two wingers. So one of them was a trade, but it was because of the expansion draft. So they lose Jared McCann and they lose Brandon Tanev. So they have to replace that help uh, in the lineup. And they have a little bit more money now as a result of losing those two. And for Brandon Saad, that would be coming to play for his hometown team. I do think the Blues as well. For the same reasons I, I listed Blake Coleman uh, or linked Blake Coleman with the Blues, I think Brandon Saad would be a good target for them as well. So let's shift gears a little bit now and just talk about more big picture stuff. Um, this is the one that agents will probably be mad at us if they're listening, but I think it's a question people always want to know about. So tell me, who is your number one candidate to be overpaid on the open market? Well, uh, we've already talked about him. I think it's going to be Blake Coleman, and uh, it, it's this is not a condemnation of Blake Coleman. This is simply reading the market and saying, 
when you have a guy that stands out as much as he did in the playoffs and he's won a couple of cups, that becomes such a valued commodity that the price just goes up because the demand is there and people get very excited. The fact that his line mate, Barclay Goudreau, got $3.6 million and six years from the Rangers tells me that Blake Coleman, uh, who scores uh, more than Goudreau, is going to get a lot more. And, you know, we, we look at the, the numbers thrown around for Zach Hyman uh, from Toronto. I, I think with Coleman, you're looking at a guy that's saying, could I get six times five, six times six? Maybe. Uh, and a lot of people want him. So back up that Brinks truck. Let's see what you got for me. And I think that's a lot of money for a guy at, at this point in his career where, um, you know, we've, we've probably seen the best of Blake Coleman just based on his age. Um, and I'm sure he'll be very effective uh, for another couple of years, but uh, he's going he's gonna to get paid. And I think uh, he's probably going to get paid a little more than uh, his impact will indicate in a couple of years. Yeah, it's a good point, and especially for Coleman in, uh, in particular, all the signs point to him chasing money because he doesn't need to be motivated by winning anymore. He's won two Stanley Cups in a row, and because he's a late bloomer, he hasn't really made big money in his career yet, right? So he made, I think it was 1.9 per season on his, his last deal. So this is his one and only really hit it big deal. So to me, he has every motivation to just let the bids go up and up and up and take the best one. So I think you're bang on there. I'm going to stick with the Tampa theme of overpaid guys. And when we say overpaid, we're not saying, and if you're listening, agents don't get mad at us. And this is this, hopefully this will help. We're not saying that they don't deserve the money. We're saying that the market will create the demand for them that will artificially inflate their price because that's what it's going to cost to get them. It's not a knock on the player. It's just, it's the nature of the bidding process on the open market. And for that reason, I have David Savard, who's been linked to the Montreal Canadiens, which would be his hometown team. He's been a really underrated shutdown defenseman for a long time. Great shot blocker. He's big. He's mean. He does everything you want in sort of that middle pair shutdown role. And I do think in, in Tampa as well, he got better as the playoffs progressed. Uh, but that said, he's a big, heavy guy who, uh, you know, how fast is David Savard going to be in three, four years when he's 34 years old? And will his body hold up because of the physical game he plays? And to me, he's at a career peak. And so he's going to probably get a long-term deal. It's not going to be a one or two-year deal. It's probably going to be four or five. And that means the end of that deal, I don't know how it's going to look for him. Okay, so we've done the overpay candidate. Let's flip it and make it more positive. Who's your best value pick among the projected UFAs? I'm going to go with Travis Boyd. And this is for uh, all my computer boys out there on Twitter. I know they love Travis Boyd. Um, you know, he was much more effective in Toronto than he was in Vancouver. But I mean, it was a really hard season for the Canucks. And, you know, they sort of picked him up halfway. Uh, you know, this is a guy that he's definitely not going to break the bank and get him kind of a million dollars, maybe even less. Uh, hard to say, you know, when he signs. But, you know, this is a guy that you put on your sort of fourth line, uh, maybe even third line, and he'll get you offense. I mean, he was on pace in Toronto for about sort of 35, 40 points over the course of an 82 game year. And, you know, for a guy that was making basically the minimum, I mean, that's pretty hot. Um, so I, I think whatever team takes Travis Boyd is probably going to be pleasantly surprised 
with what he delivers in terms of bang for the buck. All righty. Uh, I can't take credit for my pick because I was, I was, it was pointed out to me by someone else, a former THNer now with the athletic dumb decision, who's got lots of great findings with his stats. And I was reading something he wrote and I really agree with it. It was about Jake McKay and how playing with Rasmus Ristolainen, and AKA the anchor in Buffalo uh, has sort of hidden McCabe's value. He also only played 13 games this year. And I, I do think he's someone who's a lot better than people realize. And there's potential with these Buffalo guys to get discounts because the numbers are so, it's the same thing that happened with Taylor Hall in that trade, right? The numbers are so bad that it doesn't cost as much as it should to, to acquire these pieces. So I don't think Jake McCabe is going to cost a ton. It might be third pair money for a guy who actually might perform as a second pair level shutdown player. So let's talk goaltending. All right. Um, if you're a hungry team, we know that Philip Grubauer is the top UFA on the market. It's probably not close. I think there's a pretty significant gap. But if you can't afford a Grubauer, it's who's going to cost you know minimum five million a year, maybe six, seven, depending on where he goes. Who's your who's your number two target? And, and the group I'm looking at in the UFAs, you know, we're looking at Jonathan Bernier, Peter Mrazek, Linus Altmark, Auntie Ranta, Yaroslav Halak. You can name someone else, but who's your target? I'm going with Yaroslav Halak. You know, he's 36, but he's kind of a young 36. Uh, because he has been the, the backup in Boston. and But, you know, having said that, anytime the Bruins needed him, he was there. So he hasn't – he's sort of like in the middle where he's not resting on the bench, but he's not overworked. So I think you can still get a couple of good, solid years out of Halak. And in terms of his upside, we've seen him, particularly in the playoffs in the past, make some awesome runs. So for me, if you're a team and you can't get Grubauer – Halak is a guy that I think short term has the most upside of that whole uh, group that you mentioned. All right. Um, if, if I, if I look at my little spreadsheet, then it tells me Jonathan Bernier is the guy to trust because statistically he had the most difficult workload in the NHL last year in terms of expected goals against for 60 minutes at five on five. And the fact that he had such a good year, regardless is a testament to just how, amazing he really was it wasn't like he was in a sheltered workload he had a good season despite being absolutely blitzed and peppered on bad a bad Detroit team so to me it's like okay if you're following that he's earned the right to be a starter that said I always worried with Bernie I, I, and, and same goes for Yaroslav Halak those are two of the smaller goalies in the league and it's something I've said for years when you when you're small and slump the net looks awfully big and that's why I'd still be a little wary to trust Bernier as my number one um, I think Linus Allmark sticking with the Buffalo theme is someone who's underrated. He's sort of been under the radar playing pretty well in Buffalo. And if I want to cheat and go off the board, I, I still think if you're not going Grubauer, you should go with the trade route. And Darcy Kemper is the guy to go after because he has the most proven starter pedigree. So I sort of cheated out of my own, my own answer there. Um, so if we're looking at the big picture in terms of who's under the most pressure right now, which of the contenders do you think needs to be the most aggressive and which one do you think needs to stand pat? So give me two teams. Okay. So in terms of being aggressive and I don't know if you consider them a, a, a contender, but I look at the Minnesota wild and obviously, you know, early on in the podcast, I mentioned, you know, Blake Coleman, Kyle Palmieri being, you know, potential targets for them. I think the wild have to be aggressive right now because, you got to justify the Suter and Parise buyouts. You're in a tough division. You know, there's talk of Kirill Kaprizov signing back in Russia in the KHL. So you have to go to your young star 
and say, look, you're like, we're, we're building something here. We're, we're going to be going for cups sooner than later. We need you on board. We want to make sure you've got uh, a great supporting cast. So I think the timing is very important for Minnesota. And, you know, Bill Guerin, he's, he's definitely molding this team into uh, a particular image. I'm not going to say in his own image necessarily, um, but, you know, clearly he has a plan. And I think that, you know, now is the time to strike because Minnesota has been kind of in that mushy middle for a very long time. They need to make something pop. And I think they have a very good opportunity to do so this summer. All right. Um, and okay. And, and give me, who's your stand pat team before I give you my teams? Fair enough. My stand pat team is Toronto. Um, I think losing Zach Hyman is going to be the best thing that ever happened to them. Uh, call this a hot take, but I think you just put Ilya Mikheyev in his role. If you need a guy to be first on pucks who cannot score, Ilya Mikheyev can do that a lot cheaper than Zach Hyman did. Um, so sorry, Connor McDavid, you're going to lose your mind every time you throw Hyman on a breakaway and he muffs it. Uh, but that's just how life is. Um, I think for Toronto, you've got Nick Robertson coming up. You've got Rasmus Sandin. You've got Timothy Lilligren on the blue line coming up if you need him. I think that, you know, we've talked about Toronto's uh, cap crunch already. I'd love to see them bring Zach Bogosian back. Uh, I thought he was one of their most effective defensemen in that first round of the playoffs. Um, I believe the door is still open there with Bogosian. Um, but that that's all I do. I'm Maybe you try to re-sign Nick Foligno, but if you don't, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I think you have enough talent that you can make it happen. And again, you know, with a little more maturity from this team, uh, they're, they're one of the best in the East. And um, I, I don't think they should do anything radical. I think they need to see what they have and maybe you do a deadline pickup, but otherwise you go with uh, the young guys you've got. Yeah, and it's like I was tweeting uh, the other day that I kind of get Kyle Dubas's logic of just saying, okay, maybe we're going to let it ride because you've really done everything you can do. The only thing you haven't tried is, no is doing nothing because this team got way better defensively. The TJ Brody signing worked out really well. You won the division. You had the top goal scorer in the league, and you lose your number two center and your captain two minutes into a series in which you lost two overtime games and lost in game seven. So it's like, well, and, that, and then the team that beat you went to the finals. So it's like... It was there's so many little things that went wrong that I think it it might skew the actual uh, understanding of well I'm feeling an earthquake I thought I felt an earthquake in my house this is crazy wow is this an earthquake we're live everybody I'm feeling something in my house that it feels like an earthquake I don't know what's going on but anyways leaf stand pat if I'm gonna pick uh, as I as I continue to vibrate here uh, okay it just stopped uh, the team that I think is under the most pressure. Uh, it's funny. I think I'm at my parents' house. I think my mom might have overloaded the dr the dryer. I think that's that, that's what was making, it. <laughs> and it was just going bump 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 bump. My stand pat team, or, or sorry, my aggressive team, I think is the Carolina Hurricanes because they're in danger of this being a horrific offseason. That that trade already, the Nadalkovic trade, already looks really bad. It looks like owner Tom Dundon is 
cheaping out, if for lack of a better term, uh, on a goaltender that was one of the best rookies in the league, one of the best goaltenders in the league, and you decide he's not worth a few million bucks because the sample size is too small. You trade for Bernier. If you don't resign Bernier, that looks bad as well. You could lose Dougie Hamilton. Like, oh, this is a team that's there. They should be pushing forward, not retreating in their pursuit of the Stanley Cup. So I think there's potential for it to be a big disaster. And Don Waddell has his work cut out for him. If I'm looking at a Stan Pat team, I'm going to say the Colorado Avalanche. And, and what I mean by Stan Pat is I don't think they have to do much more than re-sign their guys. So the, the plan in my mind, it does have to include retaining Gabriel Landeskog and Philip Grubauer. But after that, I do think, you know, the team is, they're getting there. They're, they're on the cusp. And like it, similar to the the example you used with the Leafs, Ryan, if, if Colorado needs to make a move the deadline next year, fine. But we know they're going to be a powerhouse next season. So I, I don't think they necessarily have to add many more pieces. Um, let's do some listener questions. The first one is from Cheating Heel. I'm wondering if this is like a, an Eddie Guerrero reference. Heel, lie, cheat, and steal. It seems like a wrestling reference. Maybe this guy or gal really likes Eddie Guerrero. I'm not sure. Which RFA? would be the most likely to get an offer sheet that his current team would not match. Although, and he puts in brackets on, although we all know there probably won't be one. Well, the first couple of names I looked at are actually ineligible. I thought, Oh, Quinn Hughes, the devils have the money. They could bring all the Hughes together. Kirill Kaprizov with the bad contract negotiation going with, with the wild right now. Could you steal him? But both of those players are not eligible. Um, to me, I, I'm going to cheat. And this is something that an agent told me I was doing a story on offer sheets a couple of years ago. And, uh, I think it was also Kevin Lowe and, and Dustin. I actually talked to Dustin Penner for this story too, because he was the example. When you get an offer sheet, the, the one time you do, because I'm not, I don't think offer sheets, you know, they almost never happen. You did get Sebastian Aho, but I think that was kind of a fake offer sheet. Uh, the one time, the times you do see legitimate offer sheets, it's not when a team can't match. It's when a team won't match. So when it's a middling player that team B thinks, oh, this is actually a top six forward, for example. And team A, the, the current team of the player thinks, mm, I think this is a third liner. We're not going to match that. If you really think this guy's worth that much, you go ahead. We're not going to like it, but we're not going to match that that dollar figure, which is exactly what happened with Dustin Penner. So the example I'm thinking of is Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, and not in terms of where he's placed in the lineup, maybe perceived value. He's coming off a pretty major injury, injury plague season, back problems. I think the Red Wings, you know, they're making some pretty aggressive moves. They bring in Jakob Vrana and... You know, you make the big trade for an elk pick. I think they're sort of looking forward to their next generation now. And Bertuzzi's, he's not old by any means, but he's of the age that by the time he's, by the time Detroit's good, he might be over the hill because he plays a physical game. So to me, that's someone you could offer sheet and Detroit might say, you know what, take him. You'd offer sheet Tyler Bertuzzi for whatever you think he's worth, $4 million a year, give or take. And maybe the Red Wings just let him go. Uh, and to me, I think uh, there are a lot of teams that could use that left winger. I said the St. Louis Blues, Toronto Maple Leafs, Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I think he would be an interesting offer sheet target. But who do you have, mm -hmm. Mr. Kennedy? Okay, so I'm hoping that he's eligible. I didn't think about uh, offer sheet eligibility when I came up with this. Uh, but I'll give myself a little bit of wiggle room here. I'm going to say Joel Farabee uh, with the Flyers. And the reason is the Flyers currently have less than $12 million in cap space. They have zero goalies signed. Uh, and they also have Travis Sanheim as an RFA. And you figure Sanheim's going to need at least $4 million. I mean, he's going to need a raise. Um, so if Farabee's ineligible, then you can just shift it and say Farabee needs a contract. And then Travis Sanheim is the one that gets offer sheeted. Um, because you have a, you know, a good young defenseman in, in Sanheim, but with Farabee, 
I mean, he was fantastic for Philly uh, this past season. And, he, you know, he's high skill, great motor. That's the sort of player that, um, you know, if I'm on the outside looking in, I say, I'm going to offer that kid like $6 million, say six, seven years. I have no question that Joel Farabee is going to be an awesome top six forward for the next decade. And I think you are there. So I'm willing to pony out knowing that the Flyers would have a very difficult time matching because they need to re-sign Carter Hart. They need somebody to play with Carter Hart. They need to re-sign Travis Sanheim. There's a couple of other guys that need, you know, sort of million dollar deals and they just don't have the, the space right now. So, uh, if Farabee is eligible, uh, then definitely him. If he's not, then I'll say Travis Sanheim. Uh, All right. Next question is from James Gone. How do you like them apples, James? Former intern. I said his name wrong last time. I got it this time. It's James Gone. Gone, baby, gone. And James' question is, who is more likely to leave Colorado, Landis Cog or Grubauer? I, I think... Even though Landis Cog is more likely to be priced out because the market for him is going to be on fire, uh, I think he's much more important to keep. And I think if 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 it means you know sacrificing Grubauer in order to keep Landis Cog, if the price goes that high, I think Colorado is willing to do it. So I think Landis Cog is more likely to stay. And you know, goaltending—it's still fickle in today's NHL. It's like you could lose Grubauer, but then, like I alluded to before, maybe you you trade for Darcy Kemper and you get similar goaltending for a couple, couple million bucks less and you get to keep Landis Cox. So I think Grubauer is more likely to leave. I would agree. I mean, Landis Cox got the captaincy on his jersey and uh, with Grubauer, because of the goaltending market, probably going to have a, a number of suitors that are willing to uh, really pony up some cash for him. Being a Vesna finalist, he obviously has a very nice resume going right now. So, you know, for him, I think there's a little more pull to say, okay, I could really cash in here. Um, and, you know, keep in mind, Grubauer was a backup for uh, quite a few years. And only now is he really getting the, the big spotlight in the past sort of two seasons. So I, I think, you know, of the two of them, I think Grubauer is more likely, but I do think both of them are probably going to stay. All righty. Uh, last one is from Jeff Putnam. Jeff wants to know, what will be the Canucks options for free agent D-men on the right side? Of course, the left side, you already brought in Oliver Ekman Larson. Um, so, and I think this probably is under the assumption that Nate Schmidt is gone because we know the Canucks are already trying to trade him. So I think I'm willing to accept that premise for this question um, because we know Nate Schmidt, this guy, he can play both sides, even though he's a left-handed shot. Um, to me, if you're looking for an affordable, underrated option, I'm going to say Brandon Montour. And again, I'm going to go back to that Buffalo thing. I know he went to Florida at the end of the year, but his overall numbers of the past several seasons are they got they got that Buffalo stink. They got that <laughs> Buffalo stink on them. Um and I, I think he's become a little bit underrated. Uh, you know, he, he didn't live up to his, his dollar figure, which was close to $4 million on his last contract. But now I think you can probably get him for less. He's relatively young. He's 27 years old. He's a right shot. He's mobile. He had a nice prospect pedigree back in the day coming out of Anaheim as well. So I think that's a good value pick. If you want to spend a little bit more money, I think you look at Tyson Berry. And, you know, he's from Western Canada as well. And he can help move the puck as well and i think that would be just a logical fit if you want to get more of the luxury option 
Right on. Uh, for me, when I look at the Canucks, I'm thinking they kind of have to go value here because you've got, you know, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, like you've got some big contracts to deal with. So I, I have two examples. One is Zach Bogosian, um, who I already talked about a little bit. I thought he played very well for Toronto, particularly at the end of the year. Uh, and probably you can get him for not too much money. Um, and he is a veteran guy. If you want to go a little bit younger and, and possibly even more inexpensive, Tucker Pullman uh, from Winnipeg, just sort of no-nonsense guys. You know, you're, you're not going to have a problem moving the puck if you're Vancouver because you do already have Quinn Hughes and you have Oliver ekman Larson now. But if you just need to fill out that roster with solid guys, I think Bogosian and Pullman are two examples of players that, you know, depending on how much veteran experience you want, how much upside you want, um, you know, either one of them could work out pretty well and, and not break the bank. All righty. We'll finish off the podcast now with the rapid fire game. Ryan Kennedy, you are the host. I have nowhere to hide. I am ready for That's you. Right. Okay. This is going to be a fun one. Um, to begin with, we'll keep it on uh, salary cap stuff. If there was no salary cap, how much? would you give Connor McDavid per season? $20 million. That's a good answer. I was thinking either 20 or $30 million, depending on sort of how much money you have. Uh, but, you know, Daryl Cates, he's got that, uh, he's got that pharmaceutical, that pharmacy money. So I, I, I'm going to say 30 million uh, because hockey players are chronically underpaid uh, compared to other elite athletes. Next question, and I hope this one lands. Uh, Florence in the Machine or Lana Del Rey? Who you got? Uh, I'm going to say Florence in the Machine. I just love the sound of Florence Welch, Welch's voice. I think she's pretty magical talent. All due respect to Lana Del Rey. Nice. Yes, I go Florence in the Machine all the way. She's got bangers. Uh, no respect for Lana Del Rey. She's a narc. I got no time for her. Uh, <laughs> move on will brandon sod play for the blackhawks again in his career he's already been there twice hmm. well i mean if the blackhawks get another peak in like several years down the road and then they need to acquire like a veteran at the trade deadline i'm gonna say yes i'm gonna say like when brandon sod's like 36 he, he, he rejoins the hawks for one last ride as a deadline day cheap rental Yes, I agree. I believe in like three or four years, they're, they're going to say, uh, we need another winger for Kirby Doc. Uh, Brandon Saad, you can do it. Uh, so I believe he's in there as well. Uh, next question. What is the best junky cereal in your mind? Ooh, it's funny. I just bought for the first time in literally 15 years, a box of Lucky Charms last week. I suddenly was craving them. My daughter was wanting some and I just, I went into a no frills, got some Lucky Charms came home and my wife's like, why do you have lucky charms? I said, I don't know. I just bought some lucky charms. I just, it suddenly hit me and I've been enjoying the box. Nice. Bonus question. When you were a kid, did you ever just like pick out all the marshmallows and like eat them at once? It wasn't my jam. I was more of a purist. So I wanted that cereal to dilute the marshmallow. I, I, I did that. Um, uh, my answer for this is cookie crisp because it's literally just tiny cookies <laughs> Uh, I remember when I was a kid, anytime we would go to the U.S. on vacation, 
I'd get cookie crisp because I don't know if we had it back in the day, uh, but also the very first time I went to Costco as an adult, they had cookie crisp. And I'm like, yo, I haven't had cookie crisp in a long time. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's just little cookies. And they're like, yeah, put milk on it. That's a meal. I'm all for it. Why not? Final question. I feel you're going to love this one. If you could write the sequel or the next, um, you know, uh, movie in uh, a series of movies that have already existed, what would you like to write personally? What 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 uh, universe would you like to extend? Mm. Mm, yeah, that's an excellent one. What's who's 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 screaming out for a a proper or a remake or a remake? Uh, well, I don't know if it's, if it's cheap, but. You know, my favorite movie of all time is Heat, and I love the detective Vincent Hanna. Uh, he's just a great investigator, and I'd love to see his next case. So even though Pacino is, you know, 80 years old, so I'm hoping it would work now. But if I, if I, if this is magic, if I, like, if I could have had a sequel at the logical point, so the sequel might have come out in like 90, the movie came out in 95, so the sequel would be, it would, it would have been released in like 99, around the time that Pacino was in any given Sunday. I would like to see that. So whatever, whatever Vince, Detective Vincent Hanna's next case is, is my, is my, my sequel pick. Nice. My pick is uh, Gremlins 3. I don't want to give away too much because it's already written in my head, but it would be set in New York City. It would be about you know class differences and uh, the perils of social media. Tentative title, Gremlins 3 Instagram. Uh, it would be huge. Uh, Amblin Entertainment, give me a call. Rapid fire done. That's it. <laughs> I'll say before, before before you finish this off, uh, reports now Brain Holpy will be bought out by the Canucks today. Wow. Okay, so there's another another uh, veteran available on the market. I wonder who's going to pounce on him. It's probably one of those teams that's looking to go relatively cheap or, or looking to go 1B, 1A, 1B. <laughs> What's that? Colorado. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? So much for Braden Holtby being the expansion bait that we thought he was a year ago because Seattle didn't bite and now Vancouver buys him up. I don't know why Vancouver signed him in the first place. That never made any sense to me. Other than like, I thought like, oh, okay, they'll give him like 20 starts and Thatcher Demko will get 60 and then they flipped it. It's like, why? Yeah. At least they, they I guess they've smartened up now. And the weirdest thing about Braden Holtby though, before we end this podcast, he's only 31. It feels like he's way older than he is. Like he's been around forever. He is like, he's two, three years younger than Carey Price. So hope he ain't done. Don't give up on him. And on that note, we will end the free agency preview. Enjoy all the signings as they begin to leak in, in the days to come. Thank you for listening to the hockey news podcast. Make sure to check out THN.com slash subscribe to get issues of the hockey news magazine delivered right to your mailbox.